This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach! Give me great food. Tacos! Give me adventure. Hiking! Give me a date night. Sunset cruise! Give me some smiles. Cheese! Give me more beaches. Beaches! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gigillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Po' boy pulls in every walk of life, 80 to 80. So you'll have a man with a $500 suit rubbing elbows with a guy who can barely afford the sandwich, eating the same thing. Uh, you know, you go to fancy restaurants, you only got people that can afford that. You go to uh, not real expensive restaurants and uh, in the neighborhoods, the rich folk ain't going there. You know, only poor folks go there. Po' boy, po' boys bring everybody together. Hello and welcome to Savor. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we're talking about the sandwiches of New Orleans, mostly the po'boy and the muffaletta. Yes. Uh, we unfortunately did not have the stomach space or time on this trip to get to the muffaletta. But I tried one from Central Deli, which is the purported creator of the muffaletta, the first time I was in New Orleans, and it was delicious. We had our fair share, perhaps more than our fair share, of po'boys, though. Um, we got to attend the 12th annual Oak Street Po'boy Fest. And, y'all, it was a lot. Um, it was half a mile of residential and commercial streets devoted to a sandwich. So many people there, so many good dogs there, so many po'boys. So little time. <laughs> we were there to talk to Justin Kennedy, which is the voice you heard at the top. He is the general manager and head chef at Parkway Bakery and Tavern. They are a big name in Po' Boys, mm -hmm. and Parkway has been in operation since 1911, so they've been around a minute. Um, it was where I went for my Po' Boy fix my first time in New Orleans. So did the Obamas when they visited. There is a picture of them on the wall with Justin. Um, and that's the power of food, you guys. 
<laughs> we all got to eat and appreciate a good meal at this festival. Oh, yeah. Um, Justin was working Parkway's line at Po' Boy Fest, and it was probably our most chaotic interview ever. Yeah, I didn't realize he was going to be working the line there. And, like, their line of customers was, what, 30 people deep? 50? It was a lot. Yeah. Anyway, after Gumbo, the New Orleans food that our interviewees brought up the most was probably Po' Boy's. For example, here's New Orleans transplant Christopher Horner, who's the general manager at the Bombay Club, which is a cocktail bar in the heart of the French Quarter. There are a number of dishes that I fell in love with when I first moved here, and I still, to this day, I love po' boys. I think the po' boy is the food we had the most Oh yeah, while we were there on our trip. I had at least three, uh, maybe more, <laughs> depending on what constitutes a whole po' boy versus a half po' boy. Because during our interview with Dickie Brennan, he provided po'boys, and I had a totally normal amount of those. They were what I would have called halves, <laughs> as in, you know. <laughs> like, a, like like four to six inches rather than like eight to 12. Yeah. 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 I think so. <laughs> and it is one of those things, one of those foods that you can find on menus at white tablecloth restaurants and in gas stations. It's a pretty equal opportunity. You can find it all over. Oh, Yeah. But all of this brings us to our question, or our first question. Sandwich. What is it? That's, that, that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Too controversial? Yeah, Too that's, much? yeah, different, different episode. All right. Po' boy. What is it? <laughs> Well, uh, po' boys, uh, short for poor boys, are, okay, this is another tricky one. Um, po' boys can be a lot of things, but at its root, it is a sandwich made on oblong loaves of, like, chewy, fluffy bread with a flaky, crisp crust that is inspired by French baguette. The protein can be just about anything you want, um, but common ones are fried or grilled shrimp or catfish, fried oysters or soft-shell crab, hot sausage, and or tender shredded roast beef or pork. Toppings may include cheese or gravy, and whatever the protein in the toppings, they're frequently dressed with shredded lettuce and sliced tomato, along with other stuff like a mayo, straight or flavored, mustard, and sliced onion and pickles. They can get a little bit contentious in there whether or not they belong, but... Sounds about right. Mm -hmm. According to Justin, the thing that makes a po'boy a po'boy is the bread, a flaky, crusty outside and a fluffy, hollowed-out inside. He also claims that the bread changes when you take it out of the state, not for the better. Mm. He's aware this sounds made up. <laughs> he knows. But when asked the follow-up question, does that mean you can't have a real po' boy outside of Louisiana, he's quick to say, not to disparage what out-of-staters huh. are doing, but yeah, I think so. Ooh. Yeah. Josh Domelisi's, the fourth-generation chef over at Domelisi's Po' Boys, calls the humidity in New Orleans, or in Louisiana in general, the secret weapon. A lot of the city of New Orleans actually rests below sea level, so, so the higher air pressure and the humidity that comes with that and with being on the water and the warm climate, all of that changes things. Uh, the yeast that you use to make this type of bread rise Yeast is a living thing. It's going to behave differently in different environments. And in New Orleans, it gives your bread an airiness, uh, but also a chew. It's good for bread used for po' boys, but not good for other things like macarons and chocolate. In the words of Ashley McMillan, executive pastry chef at Sucre in New Orleans. 
As far as us, for our company, the only challenge we have is humidity. It destroys everything. I can relate. <laughs> My first foray at macarons was a disaster. A tasty, tasty disaster. And I blame the humidity, as is my right. Anyway, that's a future episode. Oh, for sure a future episode. But yeah, so so it could be that humidity. Uh, Justin also reported to the BBC once that it could have to do with the technique. Uh, apparently, po'boy bread is made by uh, resting for 12 hours, punching it down, and then resting it for another 12 hours, which is, you know, I mean, bread is essentially yeast, water, flour, salt. But that resting could have a lot to do with it. It could indeed. In either case, the bread is the key. I read in more than one place, traditional ingredients between two slices of white bread is not a po'boy. Non-traditional ingredients between the New Orleans baguette that we're talking about here does count as a po'boy. Ah. Mm-hmm. Here's some examples of non-po'boys. Hoagies, gyros, grinders, zeppelins, seps, sub, or a submarine sandwich. Not a po'boy. No, not a po'boy. Those are different things, and you might cause a sandwich-related brawl if you call a po'boy one of those things. Po'boys are, however, kind of like a banh mi. Oh, uh, yeah, and banh mi is definitely a whole episode unto itself, but basically this is a type of Vietnamese sandwich also served on an oblong loaf of bread inspired by French baguette. Though, in my experience, they're a little bit more like crusty crisp than po'boys. Anyway, uh, yeah, both sandwiches evolved out of the French custom of serving baguette with platters of butter, cheese, and cold meats. Um, the French occupied Vietnam for over a century. The Vietnamese take involves proteins like pork liver pate or other pork products or grilled chicken or tofu, and they're often dressed with cilantro, shredded pickled carrots and radishes, sliced cucumber— maybe some mayo and chili sauce. They started developing in Saigon as the French rule was fought off in the 1950s. You can see evidence of South Asian influence all around the city. After the end of the Vietnam War in the 1970s, many Vietnamese immigrants who fled to America settled in New Orleans for a couple of reasons. Both Vietnam and New Orleans have been shaped by France, so they shared that similarity. The climates were similar, and therefore so were the crops that could be grown, like rice. Numbers-wise, uh, po'boy numbers are a little hard to come by, but Justin estimated that throughout the day at the aforementioned po'boy fest, around 40,000 people would come through, and that vendors could expect to make 2,000 sandwiches, Whew. like each. And there were 32 vendors there selling different types of po'boys. So, like, he was estimating that there were around 64,000 po'boys floating around that day. That's a lot of po'boys. More than two. It was crowded. Oh, goodness. I I had to duck into a comic book shop to take a breath. She did indeed. (laughs) Oh, and uh, one more number for you. The Guinness World Record for longest po'boy was awarded on National Sandwich Day. That's November 3rd in 2017. The sandwich in question was 352 feet and 11 inches long, which is a little bit over 107 meters. Impressive. Mm -hmm. But where did this iconic sandwich get its start? We'll get into that after a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. 
salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it! Give me a vacation! Vacation! Give me a wave! Surfing! Give me a city tour! The trolley! Give me animals! The zoo! Give me some sea life! <laughs> Give me museums! Park. Give me a woo! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. So what about Poe Boy history? Specifically the history behind that name. We asked Justin about that at Poe Boy Fest. Poe Boy derived out of hard times. 1929, the height of the Great Depression. Uh, you know, the main mode of transportation around the city of New Orleans was the streetcar. Uh, and the streetcar workers weren't getting paid like many other people in the state, so they striked. Okay? Well, two former streetcar conductors who had made their way up and retired before the hard times hit, Beanie and Clovis Martin, they opened a grocery store on North Peter Street called Martin Brothers uh, Coffee Stand. They were furious that the guys weren't getting paid, so they had the means of getting money and clothing and food, and they said, look, guys, you come to Martin Brothers Coffee Stand on North Peter Street, show your badge, we'll feed you, we'll feed our poor boys. Hence the name, Poe Boy. And uh, it started the first poor boy sandwich was fried potatoes. They'd hack it up, put a little roast beef gravy and mayo on it. We still that, have that today. But now it's derived into stuff like this. Bon Mies, James Browns, my buddies over here at Redfish Grill are doing uh, hot sausage and catfish po' boys. Where they, it's, like, it's, it's, it's like it's culture you can eat. I want to put in here that a place called uh, Nola Boils and Catering, one most unique at Po' Boy Fest for its escargot po' boy um, with garlic butter sauce, baby arugula, and shaved Parmesan. And also, um, Parkway's aforementioned James Brown po' boy won Best of Fest. It was barbecue beef and fried shrimp with a Tabasco and crystal infused aioli. And uh, they'd use a kitchen torch to melt on a slice of pepper jack cheese to each sandwich by hand and then dressed them with uh, lettuce, tomatoes, and pickles. Of course. You also got a Parkway hat. Oh, I did. Oh, I wonder where that is. 
be lost to the sands of New Orleans. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it's probably in my weird work it bag from New York. It was probably. a busy trip. Anyway. It was. Just like almost everything we talk about, this sandwich was most likely being made before this streetcar strike, probably even by the Martin brothers. But this is when the name got coined and popularized. In jazz legend Sidney Bechet's autobiography, he writes about a time he and Louis Armstrong took their earnings from a show and brought beer and, quote, those sandwiches, poor boys they're called, a half a loaf of bread split open and stuffed with ham. This event presumably took place in the 1910s before the Martin brothers invented po' boys. However, there is also a chance that when writing this and having knowledge of the term po' boy, Bechet used it when it didn't actually exist at the time he was describing. Mm. In either case, it was a clever marketing move on part of the Martin brothers, I would say. They got the name in the paper by journalists writing about them, giving away free sandwiches to striking streetcar workers, which got them all this free, positive publicity, endeared them to the community, and increased their customer base. The Martin brothers were earnest, though. They were former streetcar conductors themselves. And they wrote a letter to the union, and it is just so lovely in its solidarity, like it made me verklempt. Okay, in part, it read... Friends, we are with you heart and soul. At any time you are around the French market, don't forget to drop in at Martin's Coffee Stand and Restaurant. Our meal is free to any members of Division I-94. We are with you till hell freezes, and when it does, we will furnish blankets to keep you warm. With best wishes for your cause, we are friends and former members of Division I-94. Oh, that is lovely. I know. Oof. Although, <laughs> we should say... The first written mention of the po'boy we know of, uh, not written after the case, uh, was a part of a not-so-positive story. Oh, right. Right. Four months after the streetcar strike in 1929, the press in New Orleans was reporting on a high-profile murder case. A man on a steamship had fallen off the side in what was at first thought to be a suicide. However, when his body was recovered, authorities discovered he had been shot. Oh, his female traveling companion divulged to the investigators that she had become engaged to the second officer on the ship. Oh. He became the prime suspect and was later charged with murder. From the publication, the New Orleans states, quote, Presently, the tree-shaded courthouse lawn was dotted with groups gnawing at the huge sandwiches New Orleans knows as the po'boy sandwich. Whole loaves of French bread split lengthwise and filled with a freight of ham, sausage, or cheese, and drinking from bottles of pop. <laughs> oh, oh, and just by the way, both the second officer accused with the murder and the female travel companion were exonerated. Oh. Yeah. Going back to the bread, why use baguettes? Well, prior to the strike, the Martin brothers and others um, used oval-shaped loaves of bread for their sandwiches. Depending on where you cut from, you got different sized pieces of bread and therefore different sized sandwiches. To make sure everyone got the same-sized sandwich, uh, the Martin brothers worked with a baker by the name of John Jandusa to make a uniform, rectangular-shaped bread. He came up with a 32-inch loaf that could be halved or quartered into equal pieces. To this day, three of the earliest bakeries to do this still provide the bread supply to most of the po'boy shops around New Orleans. Um, that's Lindenheimer, Binder, and Jandusa. Martin Brothers wasn't the only name in the po'boy game. Soon after, Parkway started offering po'boys in 1929 and offered French fry po'boys to union workers for free. They also sold them to the then-newly-opened American Can Company, which, if I remember correctly, was right near Parkway. 
It was open 24-7, so for a time, Parkway was two. A 1931 ad from the New Orleans item read, French Market Coffee and Lunch Stand, A. Battistella, proprietor, originator of the Poor Boys Sandwich. Hoboys would keep many families fed during the Great Depression with restaurants offering these large sandwiches for affordable prices. A 20-inch po'boy cost 15 cents in the 1930s. That's about two to three bucks in today's money. Of course, those prices have not held in the modern trendiness of food tourism and increasing ingredient prices due to a whole mess of factors, including but not limited to global warming and the Gulf oil spill. Sorry, didn't mean to slap y'all with an unexpected Lawrence Killjoy corner there. Um, the serious and real problems of food and water accessibility and education are topics for a different episode. For our purposes right now, though, um, yes, the price of po'boys is going up. Uh, the folks over at NOLA.com actually created a database using an amazing-sounding collection from the Tulane Library, the Louisiana Menu and Restaurant Collection. But yeah, they crunched the numbers, and having adjusted for inflation— the average price of po'boys doubled from 1981 to 2010, from a little less than 5 bucks to a little less than 10 bucks, And that's just for the three classic types of po'boy, uh, oyster, shrimp, and roast beef. Like Justin alluded to earlier, and like we've talked about in these New Orleans episodes, there is room for so much creativity. You've got your classic versions, which are never going to go away, and then a po'boy bon me. Po'boy Fest was conceived as a celebration of all of that. It started up in 2007, just a couple years after Katrina, as the New Orleans Po'boy Preservation Festival. Ooh. Pretty much every vendor at Po'boy Fest offered something different. Cochon de Po'boy, Cajun Servanturf, Smothered Rabbit Po'boy, Crab Meat Boudin Balls Po'boy, Escargot Po'boy, Smoked Pork Belly and Mac Po'boy. Restaurants around town are experimenting, too. Take the Vietnamese Pho Boy, which has all the ingredients of pho minus the noodles, and it comes with pho broth for dipping available. There are also some specific types of po'boys that have their own followings, uh, like the Peacemaker. And if you've never heard of it, it's a po'boy with um, both shrimp and oysters. <gasps> and, interestingly, its history starts before the po'boys does. Huh. A time-traveling po'boy, if you will. <laughs> no, not really, but that would be cool. <laughs> So in the 1800s, in San Francisco and New Orleans, you could find a sandwich called an oyster loaf, fried oysters on French loaves. Sidebar, I've had one of these, and they're amazing. Also, I love fried oysters, so. Well, um, sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a sandwich with both oysters and shrimp was known as a peacemaker. Now, I thought that this name came from the fact that shrimp and oyster lovers were making peace with their hunger by having both. Like, you can't decide, <laughs> have both. Or maybe shrimp and oysters making peace with each other and themselves before being devoured. However, according to Jay Harlow's The Art of the Sandwich, the sandwich got its name in the 1900s from husbands who had done something wrong and brought home a peacemaker to appease their angry wives, like a preemptive apology <laughs> and hope that it would prevent an argument. Oh, man. Interesting I could, tactic. I could be easily swayed by sandwiches. It's true. It would depend. I'm pretty sure... I have prevented fights by bringing banh mi to people, so... Oh! Yeah. Okay, noted. <laughs> In the words of Justin Kennedy, po'boys are a way of life. Um, he's quoted on the 
Parkway website as uh, saying, it's like going to church. It's like walking your dog. It's the lifeblood in New Orleans. I'm glad to be a part of it. Further proof, a sandwich can be so much more than a sandwich. All of the history and science and culture and people coming together to make something that we often forget. Food is all of that. And we have another New Orleans sandwich icon to talk about, the muffaletta. And we'll get into that after we get back from a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga! How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And we're back with our second question of the episode. The muffaletta. What is it? Well, the muffaletta is a type of cold-cut sandwich spread thick on both sides of the bread, usually with a sort of chopped salad of a olive and pickled veg, and served on a large, round, uh, flattish bread with a firm, spongy texture and a soft crust coated on the top in sesame seeds. It's often cut into quarters for serving, and those cold cuts can be a lot of things, but they usually include um, one cured, sometimes smoked meat like a prosciutto or capicola, one coarse ground sausage like soppressata or salami, and uh, one like super fine ground, like emulsified sausage like a mortadella or bologna, um, sometimes called bologna here in the United States. There's usually some cheese slices involved too, like a mozzarella and provolone, and the olive salad is sort of like a like a Sicilian antipasti plate went through a food processor. Um, it's like olives and pickled cauliflower, carrots and celery, 
seasoned with garlic and maybe oregano, and uh, bound with olive oil and vinegar. Maybe with some capers, pepperoncini, pimentos, roasted red peppers, or even anchovies thrown in the mix. The sandwich is usually built and uh, kind of wrapped and allowed to hang out for at least an hour to let that um, olive salad, the oils and the juices, sink into the bread. That's so good. Mm-hmm. To heat or not to heat? That is the question. <laughs> and it seems like most people are in the consensus not to heat. Not, no. But <laughs> oh no, Napoleon House, which <laughs> is this beautiful establishment in the French Quarter going back all the way to 1914 or longer, depending on where you read, which I find super interesting, hmm. uh, that at one time was an Italian market. The folks behind Napoleon House claim to have debuted the heated muffaletta in the 1970s. The muffaletta is a section you can click on on their website. Like it's like drink menu, food menu, the muffaletta <laughs> <laughs> history. When the heated muffaletta first came out, one food critic said of it, quote, it changes the sandwich from an art to an atrocity. <gasps> so controversial. Wow. Yeah. Oh, um, and just to set the scene of this establishment a little bit, um, here's a clip of us discussing it in studio with super producer Dylan when we got back from our trip. We went so many more places than I remembered. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. No, we went to Napoleon House, which is like a shrine to Napoleon. Has a lot of paintings of him, uh, paintings of him with various leaders. Uh-huh. Dramatic uh, music. Very dramatic music. Yeah. We oh, felt right. like we were having a like war conference, wartime conference Absolutely. at our table. Yeah. Also, they claim to have invented a certain type of pins cup. Uh, so we all got pins cups. Very mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very good. And I, I mean, I can't recommend more that you just turn on some dramatic music. And drink pins cups <laughs> yes. and have a lot of paintings of Napoleon. Stare at a picture of Napoleon. <laughs> I thought it was great. Um, put, put your fist on the table, you know. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. While you're talking about, like, the dog log or something. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> the dog log, by the way, is the travel journal that Dylan keeps of all of the really good dogs that he sees. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's great. Back to Muffalettas, though. What about that name? It can be spelled with a U or an A in the center of the word, and it can mean not only the sandwich, but uh, also a loaf of bread that the sandwich is made with, it seems to derive from a Sicilian dialect version of the Italian word muffoletta, with an O meaning little muff, as in a a thick rounded mitten. Or possibly the Sicilian word for mushroom? Anyway, um, yeah, the sandwich's nickname, by the way, is simply the muff. Kind of like the po' boy. Sure. Uh, Both in importance of the bread and the multiple spellings. The muffaletta got its start in 1906, a creation of Salvatore Lupo at his store, Central Grocery Co. New Orleans, as we keep saying, is a port town. So many folks came through there, um, and many stayed and contributed to the culture and cuisine. After the unification of Italy in the 1870s, which Sicily supported, the new government was not kind to Sicilians nor to some other groups. And so from the 1880s through the 1920s, some 290,000 Italians, mostly Sicilians, immigrated to New Orleans out of the port of Palermo. Many moved into an area in the lower French Quarter near the French market, so much so that locals dubbed it for a time Little Palermo or the Italian sector or Little Italy. By 1915, 80% of the French Quarter was Italian. It was not all smooth cultural sailing. Um, There was a lot of xenophobia leveled against them, leading to the largest mass lynching recorded in America's history. Eleven Italians were taken from jail cells and killed. 
But nonetheless, yeah, the Sicilians settled in, and yes, they brought their foods, uh, tinned tomatoes, olives, types of cheese and preserved meats, and breads, among other things. At the time, Sicilian farmers would visit Central Grocery after a trip to the French market, and they'd buy all the makings of a muffaletta separately and try to precariously balance all of the components. Seeing this, Lupo got the grand idea of combining the ingredients and putting them between bread to make an easier, less messy lunchtime experience. Sandwiches really are one of the ultimate convenience foods. Oh, yeah. Supposedly, um, Central Grocery still uses the same secret recipe for their olive salad. While the history of the muffaletta sandwich might seem fairly recent, the bread has been around a lot longer. Sicilian bakers have been making this bread for centuries, passing their recipes down generation after generation. When Sicilian immigrants arrived in New Orleans, bakers among them, they carried on that tradition. Bakers would sell their loaves of bread on the streets, shouting, Muffaletto, caldo, caldo, which means hot. Yes. From the Times-Picayune, quote, As big as a hubcap and layered with ham, salami, provolone, cheese, and, critically, olive salad, a single muffaletta sandwich can feed four grown adults. The muffaletta, despite its Italian-sounding name and ingredients, is pure New Orleans. It can be found neither in Italy nor in the other American cities nor in the other American cities that, like New Orleans, received an influx of Italian immigrants in the late 19th century. The one I had while I was there my first time was like Scooby-Doo level <laughs> large, the kind where you're wondering, how the heck am I going to eat this? Like you're doing a calculation in your yeah, head. Yeah, yeah. When it's not halved or quartered, I mean, it's big. It is enormous. Um, I managed just fine. <laughs> I always do. Graceful, no. Fine, yes. <laughs> it does come in quarters, and my friend and I split the sandwich, and each of us could only finish one quarter. So we both got two quarters. We could only eat one. Um, we saved the other one for later. And then we hopped across the street and got beignets from Café du Monde. Once again, I did just fine, but I was covered in powdered <laughs> sugar for the rest of the day. We uh, we also had a powdered sugar incident yes. uh, when we visited. I, I, I did, anyway. Uh, like, don't inhale y'all. No. Um, I, I wound up coughing powdered sugar like all over Dylan, who as the only genteel human among us had thus far come through unscathed. Um, luckily, it was it was nighttime. We were about to go to a fancy dinner. Also, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, but both you and Dylan were wearing black. Yeah, we were both wearing black pants. That wasn't really, <laughs> that wasn't really the time to go to Café du Monde, I don't think. No, uh, and yeah, we. In case you're wondering, we did get dessert before we oh. went to this fancy restaurant, <laughs> like the pros. And I, I think, and I think we had dessert while we were there as well. Oh, of course, <laughs> of course. <laughs> For a long time, um, Central Grocery's biggest muffaletta competitor was a place by the name of Progress Grocery, just a few doors down. They would close in 2002, but the owners do still operate the food supplier Peroni and Sons the company that's behind the best loaves of bread for muffalettas, United Bakery, closed in 2005 after Katrina. The owners of Napoleon House searched out the United recipe and finally found it a decade later in 2015, and they now bake their own. Oh, and uh, New Orleans finally got a muffaletta festival starting in 2017. Though I suppose you can count any day as a muffaletta festival if you try hard enough. And I do. <laughs> Central Grocery Ships... By the way, if you're curious, <laughs> we were not sponsored by them or anyone no. for your information um, for this whole miniseries. But if you want to try it and you can't find any around you, they do ship. I can't speak about the price. It's probably a lot. But just just putting that out there. Yeah. Or you could make it 
Yeah, look, lots of lots of recommendations online for for what to do to approximate the bread. Yeah. Listeners, do you have any po' boy or muffaletta thoughts, theories, recipes, recommendations? Please let us know at hello at saverpod.com. You can also find us on social media. We are on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at SaverPod. We hope to hear from you. Thank you, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard, our executive producer, Christopher Hatsiotis, all of our interviewees, and all of the good folks who put us in touch with those interviewees. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. What about y'all's sandwiches? I got, um, <laughs> I made my decision largely on puns, which yes. is how I make many of my decisions. Uh, po' boy, you can't refuse. The godfather. So good. <laughs> it was so good. Yeah. The, both the pun and the sandwich. They were excellent. Yeah. Um, the, but that was something that uh, we had been warned about is that the lines are so long. We really only had time to try the one, but it was a good one. Yeah, I was real, real hungry, and so I went to one that had a reasonable line, <laughs> uh, bang, bang, shrimp, and I, like, found the closest curb and just, like, scarfed it yeah. immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But no, incredible festival. I just, I was amazed by how large it was. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it! Give me a vacation! Vacation! Give me a wave! Surfing! Give me a city tour! The trolley! Give me animals! The zoo! Give me some sea life! <laughs> Give me museums! Park! Give me a woo! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. 